This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. This is Kid Schreiner, the voice of the Green Arrow. And you are listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. The original Justice League has become a memory. I am resigning from the Justice League. What's going to happen to the League now? We rebuild from the ashes of that great conflict. A new team has arisen. A much, much bigger team. Each of you brings something different to the table. Old friends, new heroes. And as usual, plenty of bad guys jumping up to get beat down. Calm down, and I'll let you go. How about you kiss my ass? Watch out, evildoers. There's nowhere to run. Because this year, they're all around you. The League is unlimited. All new original series starring every superhero worth cheering for. And then some. Justice League Unlimited. Where am I exactly? Among friends. There's strength in numbers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 148 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal. And with me, my good friend, good brother, and the gentleman that runs our Twitter page. That is right back for yet another month. It is Liam. Liam, welcome to a new month, which of course means we are switching gears and changing up programs for the month. And uh, if the good folks at home listened to last week's episode, they would already know. Uh, but we are excited to kick off a, uh, a a new month with a new series here. That's right. And we are returning to the world of Justice League Unlimited as the as uh, as we spoke about last week, as you mentioned, Cal, and uh, yeah, we're picking it up with a another exciting episode, another in these sort of early building block episodes of the series. Uh, but in addition to any sort of plot uh, devices that may come back later on, we also just get a big, uh, bi- the biggest sample size of just how big and massive this new Justice League is in this episode. That is very true. Yeah, this is a uh, action-packed episode. It felt a lot like a uh, modern-day superhero movie. Uh, lots of uh, robots to smash, non-living entities to destroy, a giant army. Lots of punching and explosions uh, with uh, with an ar- mass army of of. of- of techn- technology to destroy and maim, so uh, with many superheroes abounding. So uh, we will talk about some of the similarities, perhaps in more modern day superheroes, when we get into our plot, as we will in just a moment. Uh, but before we do, as we do each and every week, we kick things off with the official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode, which you did mention is Dark Heart. 
This, of course, being a Justice League Unlimited Season 1 episode debuted back on December the 11th, 2004, putting us uh, coming up here on the 17-year anniversary uh, as we wind down 2021. So uh, very, very, very uh, old am I. That's right. And uh, as you mentioned, this is for the episode Dark Heart, which was written by Warren Ellis. It was directed by Dan Reba with music by Christopher Carter and Michael McQuistian and animation by Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such. Most of the League battles with powerful alien nanotechnology is that the waves of self-replicating robots cannot be simply destroyed. The diminutive Adam shrinks himself to stop the robots from the inside. Well, that description just kept going and going and going and going, much like the Energizer Bunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it was quite the twist and turns there that we took with, with that description. Uh, somebody wanted to use up all of the space uh, for that description. So uh, not the best IMDb description, in, in my opinion here, Liam. But uh, they can't all be winners, as we, we quite often say. But yeah, I, I mean, it, we did get a, quite the, the synopsis here. It, it does end up being a very Adam-centric episode, which I guess is something uh, that was unique and was actually pretty interesting. And, and this platform, I feel like going forward, if they had expanded beyond the seasons that they ended up doing, they really could have flex their muscle and been able to explore some of these characters that really didn't get uh, focal pointed. We see that more, uh, more as we get into the, the Cadmus story arc, we get more of the question and the huntress and more black canary and, and green arrow uh, characters, obviously that were, that were never explored on some of these, uh, these, the older episodes, whether it be justice league or even Superman, the animated series or, or Batman, the animated series. So uh, it is a very Adam centric episode. He does end up being the, the hero of our story, but it is a very interesting tale here. We open up and uh, there are two rock climbers that stumble upon uh, this. I, I, I don't know. Like I, it's just a giant piece of technology, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we learn later on, of course, that this piece of technology uh, originated uh, some 50,000 years, perhaps, in the past, used as a weapon launched from one planet to another, designed once it launched and devoured that planet to then replicate itself and continue its process. It somehow without really any explanation has made its way to earth where it is going to continue to do the same through Liam, the age old uh, crutch used in any science fiction and comic book tale nanotechnology that should buy them some time to get the townspeople out. Now I want to learn about these things. I think the main spacecraft is replicating. There's some kind of molecular machine inside each of them. A sort of dark heart building around itself. That's right. This is a very classic sort of sci-fi crutch, I guess would be the, for lack of a better word, as you said. Uh, Yeah, it's interesting in that it creates a immediate problem because it's this endless army, endless waves of robots, as you said, and they can't there's no limit to how many they they can create as they can replicate themselves not just through metal and other technology but through rock through minerals like through any any and all matter can uh, can be converted into these uh into these things so it's it's really a losing battle no matter how many uh you know we see almost all of sort of the the top tier most powerful members of the league we see super and Supergirl, Wonder Woman, Captain Adam, Green Lantern, all of these superpowered characters, uh, all, you know, they're blowing up, they're destroying all these robots and they just keep coming. And so it, it, at a certain point, they realize that they need another tactic, which leads to the introduction of the Atom. And yeah, I, I think that leads to an interesting second part of the episode where, yes, we have a lot of action, we have a lot of fun with seeing all of these heroes in action, but then it becomes of how can this guy, even as smart as he is, 
how can you stop this thing that has already torn apart planets and, and can, can basically, as, as he's, if one scrap of this thing is left intact, it'll start all over and we'll have the same problem again. So him trying to find this sort of creative way, he, he can't punch his way out of it, despite him at one point trying to just grow bigger than the heart and punching it. Uh, he, he finally comes up with sort of a, a more creative way, which is the, the dark heart is, is quite literal in the sense that all of these machines have this sort of central powering uh, mechanism that acts as a heart carrying matter into it and then powering the machines that then go out to convert more matter. And so he literally gives it a heart attack by clogging its artery. And that's sort of how we have our, our finale there. It's not uh, a big her- punch out with with superman and wonder woman or anything it's it's more of this uh this that you know it's it's mind over matter uh almost literally in this case i think and uh i I think that's that's clever and you know it's it's a good it's a good way to utilize a character like the atom who we've seen uh previously in an episode we reviewed uh the return where once again he was uh he really does has had to go up against the heavy hitters here he 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 was uh teaming up with after a mezo previously and and now here he is fighting this you know never-ending army of of robots so it is interesting how the you know the smallest or like maybe least physically imposing member of the justice league ends up having to be the guy to kind of pull them out of these really big problems yeah it's it is a an awesome way to showcase that character especially you know he isn't he's not I guess if you're ranking superheroes, he's he's had more exposure over the last maybe decade uh, than he did certainly in this era. I, he may have made some appearances on the Super Friends or one of those like superpowers spinoff episodes. I honestly don't know if I think he did. But um, with that said, he certainly isn't a top air, an A list or even probably a B list DC superhero. So the fact that they were able to use him in multiple episodes and showcase uh, this unique powers is pretty, pretty awesome. I I really love, I mean, that's, that's a testimony to justice league unlimited as a, as a show, as I mentioned, like having some of these ancillary characters and we'll get into visuals and animation, you know, the, the myriad of, of people that show up in the background of this episode. And that's what I think, I think being in the background is one thing that's, it's kind of a cool throwaway. If you know, you know, type appearance, but having, having really the Adam be the person, as you said, that solves this problem using his intellect, using his knowledge, using, uh, his experience and, and technology uh, to, to defeat this seemingly impossible, uh, impossible to defeat uh, behemoth, uh, one that can't just be punched to death or destroyed with heat vision or, you know, uh, that no matter no matter how hard they fight just continues to to sort of have their way with the Justice League. So that I did did appreciate. With that said, the episode itself, though, to me, ends up very much mirroring mirroring as i sort of mentioned in the in the open a, a modern day superhero flick uh, a la avengers or a la even uh, the original justice league uh, movie or a la pretty much any superhero movie nowadays where there happens to be a faceless army of drones that the justice league can kill or the your heroes can kill and maim and destroy right and tear apart and uh this one uh, now obviously this was kind of done before that was the norm this is 2004 as opposed to 2007 and on or whenever disney took over and started launching marvel movies but it's sort of a trope that now i i've sort of become numb to did you find yourself comparing it at all to to sort of those modern day superhero blockbusters that we've seen a little bit. I think everything this included, everything post Phantom Menace had this this sort of <laughs> syndrome, um, where we create this, you know, this legion, uh, you know, this unlimited army of robots, and what do we do to stop them? Well, we can't kill them all because there's limitless amounts of them. So we have to go to the control hub or the main, there's usually like a, you know, metaphorical or literal, a switch 
which then shuts them all down, uh, which uh, is also on the table in, in this episode as well as once the atom is able to, uh, to kind of, as we said, give the, the main dark heart, a heart attack. Uh, he is the, all of the other robot spiders and robot tigers and stuff that we'll talk a little bit more about in visuals uh, just kind of shut off and stop working. So um it's it's one of those things where you create an this invincible army seemingly but then you also have that problem where it's like well we can't have this this army needs to be defeated and we've already established that the league doesn't have the numbers to take them out by brute force so uh they just all shut down when the big one shuts down (laughs) um so yeah it's definitely a trope uh you know that that goes back several years and um like I said, I think I think that's why focusing it on on the atom was the right call because there is a, and a, uh, there is a lot of this where at least for the first ten minutes or so where it's where it feels like it's just watching guys just swat at the ground um, and it's cool because we get to see all these different superheroes in action but it feels very light on like satisfying action because they're just these little because for the most part, they're just fighting these small spiders. It's a lot of like swiping at the ground for a while there. So um, again, we'll get more into that in visuals, but yeah, I I definitely think focusing it on the atom was the right call just because it actually had a, uh, a a better, uh, a better focus point at that point. Even if the end result is that phantom menace style, we, we blow up the one thing and everybody shuts down. Yeah. um, I, I, I do appreciate the fact that, yeah, the foot we've already, I've already established. I like the Adam part of it with that said, uh, the only other major plot point that I think, and ultimately foreshadows and plays to me, that was the plays later on into uh, some of the Cadmus arc and some of the, the overall justice league unlimited uh, tale and, and story arc that being that, uh, initially the justice league decides uh, once, once the dark heart is sort of expanding and they realize that the robots are not going to be stopped just by stomping on them or by fighting them, that they're, they're rep- replicating at uh, too high of a rate to stop the justice league call up to Jean, who's at the watchtower and he launches a giant space beam. The other favorite trope of superhero uh, <laughs> movies of the last, last decade or so this one going in reverse though, instead of a giant sky beam, it's a, it's a space beam coming down from the sky. So I guess that's a little bit different, but uh, sky beam comes down and uh, creates a giant trench. And this gives the, uh, the U S army and general Eiling a little bit uh, of something to be, uh, to be a little bit concerned about, I'd say. Wonder Woman, can you hear me? I'm in the town of Goldhanger, two clicks from you, and we're not going to get everyone out in time. You won't have to, General. The Watchtower is now in stationary orbit over the site. I'm clearing the binary fusion generator for firing. The what? It converts our space station's entire power output into a single shot. It's a gun with the punch of a small nuclear weapon, General. You're not serious. We're very serious. Now pull your men back. We can't hit the aliens directly because it could scatter them for miles, so we're going to be burning a trench around them. Fall back! Go! that is interesting and it speaks to again plot points we'll get into more in when we cover kind of the big heavy meteor parts of this cadmus arc but it is this thing where the justice league of their own volition without letting anyone know 
built a giant cannon that Martian Manhunter very matter-of-factly states they have complete control over and can, has uh, packs the punch of a of a small nuke. And they're just like, all right, this is what we're doing. Pull your men back, General. Uh, and like, it's one of those things where you do build up another bit of like, if you think about this, if you think about what Superman did in the, in the series finale, Superman uh, legacy, it's like, they're right to be concerned about this. (laughs) They're like, they're, they're absolutely uh, within their rights to be, uh, to be concerned. Obviously the way they go about it is very underhanded and shady. And perhaps if they shared these concerns with, uh, with, with Superman and the rest of the league up front, there could have been a dialogue, but as it stands, like you totally see why that's very alarming for any, anyone, you know, especially like a, someone in a position of, of national security, like uh, general Eiling is to hear, Oh, by the way, we have a nuclear space laser that we could just fire down whenever we feel like it. Yeah. So that is, <laughs> that is calls into the old question of, you know, are the superheroes trustworthy enough? And as you said, that plays into those plot points from legacy and some of the, you know, the justice Lords and some of the other things that we end up kind of rehashing later on. So it is, it is very interesting that they set that plot point up here. I think general Eiling's reaction, uh, initial reaction of just kind of being caught off guard willing to watch and see what happens, but then letting them know at the end that they're not really, they're not really cool with that. And that's something that's going to be discussed at a later point. Other than that, it is a very much a punching and kicking robots episode. Uh, There is some, a lot of action that occurs here. Um, I I don't know that all of the action is very interesting (laughs) visually. We'll talk about in a moment. It didn't seem as, as exciting as I thought it should be. It seemed like a lot of times it it may just be an excuse to throw a bunch of superheroes in there. And this is, this is one of those episodes that has one of the few episodes that has what seems like the majority of the justice league, the newly expanded roster featured in it. So it, it, I imagine that for the director, uh, Dan Reba and, and and the storyboard artists that this was, uh, you know, fun to kind of sneak in some of these other ancillary characters and characters that aren't used very often uh, as well. Again, we'll talk, about that in just a moment here but um other than that i it is not i didn't i didn't love the plot like it's it's it it there's very i guess the the plot of how this robot gets there isn't fully explained until the very end they dig this trench that's supposed to stop the the robots from being able to cross it for a period of time just enough for you to see Ray Palmer. And then when they flash back, suddenly the trench is just gone for no reason. Like it's just not there anymore. They don't really explain how the robots got across it, but they have. Um, yeah. So with that said, I, I guess we can get into our scores here for, for the plot. Uh, but I went ahead and give plot or gave plot a six out of 10 for this week's episode. What about you? Yeah, I'm just a tick higher at a, a seven out of 10. I think, I think it's an enjoyable uh, 22 minutes uh, from a plot standpoint. And we get a couple of, uh, as we said, both uh, Eiling taking the dark card at the end. And then also the, the, the space laser stuff. I think you, you, you are laying some groundwork here. And even, even if you remove that from it, it's still, I thought a pretty fun, enjoyable story. So seven out of 10. That's fair. Yeah. I, I think it reminds me a little bit of uh, when you're, when you're binge watching a show, it's one of those episodes that's a filler episode. It's like, you know that they have to do it because there has to be some story depth to build up. Uh, but a lot of times it feels like it's, it's like, okay, this, there are plots, there are points from this episode that, you know, move forward, but I, I just didn't love the episode as a whole itself. It was just kind of like, all right, all right. When, when's this over? When are they going to figure out how to defeat, defeat the ever growing popular or the ever growing army of, of robots. So, um, so I guess that will lead us into our visual and animation, Liam. As we mentioned here, there are a lot of superheroes featured in this episode. Um, many, many, many of them, including many of the characters that uh, a lot of people probably aren't familiar with. 
Uh, we have an, an entire roster here of people uh, that we could go through. Uh, so seeing that, in I, fact, I will, if you would like me to, I would love it. Why don't we go down the entire list of uh, who was featured in this week's episode? All right. And I think some of these you only see in the background very quickly, but this is everyone still counts that we, that we see. Absolutely. And this is not counting uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, the Adam, the main ones, but every here's everyone else uh, that is featured sort of in the battle or getting off or getting on to a javelin at some point. We have in alphabetical order, uh, thanks to the DCAU wiki for this uh, Aquaman, Adam Smasher, Aztec, Black Canary, Blue Devil, Booster Gold, Captain Adam, Commander Steel, Crimson Avenger, Crimson Fox, Dr. Fate, Dr. Light, Dr. Midnight, Elongated Man, Fire, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Gypsy, Hawk, Our Man, Huntress, Ice, Nemesis, Obsidian, Red Tornado, Rocket Red, Shining Knight, and his steed, Winged Victory, Stargirl, Starman, Steel, Stripe, Supergirl, The Ray, Vibe, Vigilante, Vixen, and Wildcat. My goodness. But standing ovation for Liam right now. Seriously. Oh, I'm out of breath. <laughs> yeah, man. Take take a breather here. Uh, so with that, it is absolutely jam-packed. And at times, I feel like they just answered. Uh, they We talked about it, I think, on some of those earlier episodes, especially you know maybe the first two or three. Uh, episodes of the series that there wasn't it was supposed to be justice league unlimited and yet most episode featured two or three of of the new characters (laughs) right uh well they heard your complaints people of of earth and they responded by giving you that gigantic roster including uh what would the parting shot of the episode a, a great great pan out of the entire justice league roster that was there that that a shot that was used in many uh, promotional materials and, and commercials and uh, uh even i think at some point maybe even the intro or or the outro uh, for the episode so uh yes very very large roster featured here uh, i think some of the some of my issues with it and this could go back to plot i guess but mm-hmm. also some of the visuals uh we'll talk about cgi in a second because that is its own thing. But while we're talking about this myriad of different people here, there were some people that you're like, okay, these people clearly uh, are, are in the right place. You have, you know, powerhouses like green lantern and Superman and even Adam smasher, uh, you know, um, you know, your star man, captain Adam. These are, these are very powerful uh, in the Mm. right place. Dr. Light, you know, Supergirl. Uh, these are these are people that should be here battling these robots. Even Batman. Okay, I get it. He's got a plane. He's got toys. That's fine. But then you have people like uh, the Huntress and <laughs> Shining Knight and Vigilante. Vigilante has two revolvers. <laughs> Shining Knight has a sword and a flying horse, but mostly a sword. Uh, Huntress has a bow staff. Like has a big stick. Yeah. What, what are we, why are they there? What, what, like, I get it. Like you can't, all of the superheroes that you have at the, at your availability aren't necessarily <laughs> that super powered, overpowered, uh, you know, <laughs> with the ability to, to shoot lasers out of their eyes or, you know, call onto the power of nuclear warheads or whatever. But like, come on what are these am i to understand that they they are in somewhat in any way helpful in these situations wildcat is there <laughs> there's one shot where he's, he's just in the background he's just in the background swinging endlessly at these things just whoosh, it's like the same repeated animation over and over yes again. yes it's it's pretty funny uh yeah i do i do question like yeah fire and ice sure they can be useful uh the Crimson Avenger? Mm. <laughs> not, not quite so sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's cool to see all these different heroes out here. Um, to me, like the like I said, the first part of the episode isn't very isn't very all that visually interesting because it is mostly just people swatting at the ground. And then I think there's a very like sudden twist, which is when 
uh, Batman's plane gets attacked and uh, by these, uh, and uh, we'll talk more about the visuals of the, the dark heart creatures in a second here. Um, and he's, uh, he's falling out of the sky. He doesn't have a parachute. He doesn't have anything. Superman catches him at the last minute. They, the justice league kind of regroups. They make their plan. Wonder woman's going to get Adam to the ship and they're all going to protect her to get him there. And Superman says, let's go to work. And from there, I think it gets awesome for about three minutes. Um, <laughs> and uh, then, then you, cause then you're actually like following individual members around and you're seeing how their powers are sort of inter- interacting with it. And uh, some creative things were like a bunch of, a bunch of the, the little spider ones will climb on wonder woman and she's sort of, you know, exerts and, and knocks them all back uh you know same thing we see starman fighting them at one point they're kind of getting overwhelmed and then uh the ray and green lantern and supergirl show up to provide like air support and that's that's really cool there's a shot of where they're all kind of just punching at the line and all of a sudden you see adam smasher's giant foot st- stomp down on uh, on a bunch of them, so there are some cool moments in the in those few minutes. We mentioned the vigilante as outmatched as he clearly is on his little motorcycle, with his uh, with his guns. Uh, when he gets knocked down, and it looks like he's about to be uh, he's he's dead meat. The shining knight on his winged victory shows up and and knocks them back, and then he hitches a ride with shining knight, and and uh, they they do. I, so I do think there's some cool moments. Uh, but yeah, it's like it takes a while for us to get there, and then it's it's only kind of maybe a couple minutes long in this little stretch as they're trying to get the atom to to the dark card and and uh, yeah, so like that's fun, but yeah, it doesn't feel like we maximized the potential of having this entire league in uh, in battle all at once, at least not maybe how they do later on in the series. Yeah, um, it it just. Okay, I'm going to switch over now because the 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 most distracting thing to me and the thing that took me out a lot of the battle was the use of CGI and and whatever they decided to do as far as creating the animation for the actual army of these little creatures. I guess it was CGI. It looked almost like static images at times that they were just moving around. I did not like the animation for the majority of the battle. I thought it was very distracting. There were a lot of, a lot of pan shots and, and like distance shots uh, that showed the large portions of the army. And they were just kind of, again, they were static images that were sort of vibrating almost to give the appearance that they were moving or marching or, and it just, it didn't, they didn't look like, and I get it. Like, I don't think, I think, it's not one of those things that you could have possibly have individually animated, but at the same time, they spent clearly spent a lot of money on making the CGI that looks God awful uh, to, to show the watchtower opening up and birthing its shot cannon or shotgun cannon. Like it, they could have done so much better for some of those shots. I will say that the robots themselves very interesting looking. I think you you briefly mentioned the the they're sort of like robot dog. They're a little bit bigger than the than the spider creatures. Uh, they are very visually interesting. Um, they attack the bat plane at one point, and uh, and four of them land on the bat plane and sort of disassemble it. And uh, there's an interesting interesting uh, sequence where Batman he blows the cockpit. Uh, off first and then sits in the cockpit and throws batarang sitting down i thought that was super cool uh to knock a couple of them off and then has to do Mm -hmm. battle and and ultimately the bat plane meets its demise and uh the he is shot down and thankfully caught by superman and (laughs) i love that batman just kept his cool the entire time (laughs) calling for superman's help uh, rescued just a few feet before his impending doom that was the last of my useful armaments. I can't do anymore.
man to all points. I could use some air support, since I can't fly at all. Now would be good. The spiders are forcing us back, and the mothership is releasing mechanical attack tigers to protect them. Yeah, the CGI that was used in this, CGI appears pretty early on. They used it for the helicopters that the army used. They used it for, as I mentioned, the uh, the the visualization of the watchtower there was uh there was additional like uh i think there was an i I don't know there was another point where they were using it too i guess some of those exterior and larger pan shots Mm -hmm. of the dark heart were also uh cgi i have voiced very often here we've talked about this before going all the way back to episode 101 in the archives at dcaureview.com for initiation where we talked about i am not a fan of this like very wonky herky jerky like frame rates missing cgi <laughs> yeah and it's one of those things where we we've seen it done okay even Recently in an episode of Batman Beyond we covered where they definitely were using CGI as, as part of the background, but they kind of gave it this nice cell shading and it, it fit very well with, with the scene. Um, so we know there is a capability to do it. And I'm sure a lot of it maybe comes down to just time. And, but I mean, this, I mean, I think the, the shot that sticks out to me is when the watchtower is moving into position to fire and I guess I just it didn't dawn on me that the the JLU watchtower is just always CGI, um, because the the regular the you know regular Justice League watchtower was was a was a static image from my, my from my recollection. So, I believe so. Yes. So this it's just yeah it's a CGI thing moving and then you know the the thing at the bottom opens up to reveal the cannon and it's like I I don't know man like it just doesn't look doesn't look great and it doesn't even have that sort of cell shading on top of it to kind of at least make it feel like it's part of the part of the world um so yeah it it definitely sticks out i don't feel like the javelins stuck stuck out as much to me i don't know if it's because of the way that one is shaded a little bit differently but uh or uh i think batman's ship or batman the bat plane is uh is 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 also CGI, but maybe because that's so dark, you you don't notice uh, the, the kind of the wonky edges and stuff of it as much. But uh, yeah, I thought I thought there's definitely some moments there where it sticks out and it just doesn't quite jive with uh, with the re- rest of the animation. It just doesn't it just doesn't fit. Um, like I said, that being said, I think there are some some really cool visuals in that in the last few minutes there with with the atom choking the artery to to uh to starve the uh the, the dark heart of of the matter and all of that um giving so. an actual literal heart attack to the to the dark heart adam we're about out of time what's happening in there it didn't break i couldn't break the heart it it what i couldn't break the heart but i bet i can give it a heart attack these arteries are feeding liquefied matter into the heart if i can interrupt that flow starve it of matter build up some pressure I thought that was pretty uh, pretty cool, and even the introductory scene. I love that scene of uh, the atom. It's kind of all foggy, and the atom is uh, is walking through kind of like you know thigh high water, and then this giant snake bursts out of the water, and and he's sort of fighting with it, and then eventually you pull up and you realize he's actually in a petri dish. Just a very classic, like you know, size shifting uh, uh, thing, and it was, I thought that was a really clever way to introduce this guy. Again, he's already been in an episode by this point, but this one sort of being him in his element, he's working at his, uh, his lab in Boston when, when Superman shows up. So, Professor Palmer, we've lost you off the scanner. Professor? Ruth? 
Reconfigure for the atomator limit, Katie. I know he's down here somewhere. Could be pretty small by now. And he just found me. He's bigger than my car now, Katie. Personally, I blame you. How can it possibly be my fault? Because otherwise it would be my fault. That can't be right. I'm a professor. I have the core control and I can see the problem. The chemical wash made a bad nanochip. I can shut him down by... Okay, I'm just going to be direct. Professor Palmer. Professor? Ray! I'm going to lay here for a while, Katie. I'm old now and I get tired. You have a company, Professor. Serious company. I'm coming up. Stand by. Superman. What brings you to Boston? Omega level situation. Katie, please inform the front office that I'm going to be uh, out for a while. Uh, I do think there's some there's some pretty cool visuals despite some other wonky things, and so uh, I settled on a 7 out of 10 for, uh, for visuals. Gotcha. Um, I went a little bit lower. Uh, I went a 5 out of 10. Uh, the CGI really messed with me. Um, there are a couple things that I, I, I will point out that are interesting visually. We get Batman wielding these, what look like oversized batarang things. They're like, <laughs> I don't know what like, they are. Like batarang nunchucks or something. There's yeah. Like, there's the- like two of them and he's holding like the center of them and he kind of spins them around, but they have the edges like they're batarangs it looks like an accessory that would come with a kenner batman figure i'm just gonna throw that 100 percent, 100 percent. uh i will say though i i don't know if you noticed this uh and i don't i don't know what it was but to me i felt like a lot of people looked off model for this episode a lot of people were super skinny and had more of a a less streamlined less straight more like warbly is always the word that i use warbly appearance uh from from what i saw uh from the animation not quite on model a lot of times and in if even in that final pan out scene if you look batman's face is very odd looking very off model um just not not as normal as i was used to uh, especially with some of the Justice League and and a little more cartoony and less less straight streamlined than I'm used to. Um, I'm not. I mean, that's nitpicking, but that's that's something that I did definitely notice. Um, <laughs> there is a, there's a really distracting moment where, or at least it was distracting for me, where it's right in the kind of the opening scene. There is the army's kind of calling in, saying, you know, we're we're under attack. We're not, you know, we're and Superman and Wonder Woman are talking and then they sort of pan out to show it's a great, actually a great shot where they pan out to show all of the, uh, all of the leaguers flying towards it. And Wonder Woman's driving one of the javelins and inside like a bunch of leaguers with her, I think green arrow and crimson Fox and, and, and to her, to her left, uh, like over her shoulder uh, when they get a close up is Vixen and like Vixen has some pretty memorable episodes for the rest of the series that we will, uh, we will get to down the line. Like not only does like, like her eyes were not facing the same direction, <laughs> which I, you know, you chalk up to just a mistake, but like her, uh, to your point, like she looked a little skinnier, her hair looked longer. Um, I, and I knew this existed. Like Huntress is in a different costume than when Correct. we actually finally get around to introducing her. They, re- they redesigned that suit. Um, I think uh, in uh, when she when she has her first full appearance in uh, in Double Date uh, a few episodes down the line here, but uh, so yeah, there's definitely some people who I think just hadn't been like fully uh, hadn't hadn't been fully realized, and then some people may just be a you know a victim of just well they're a background character we don't have to really worry about how on model they are, but then when you get that one one or two second close up and you're like, Oh my God, what's wrong with Dixon? Uh, <laughs> it really, it really sticks out for a second there. 
For sure. I, and I think we'd be remiss the last visual or this also could have been discussed in plot. Uh, how did they sneak beyond standards and practices, the gimmick of the Adam riding in, in wonder woman's uh, bosom. <laughs> yeah. They, they really linger on that shot for a couple seconds too. Like, it's, <laughs> like, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what which, how that... which storyboard artist was all <laughs> horned up and decided to decided to go ahead and see if they could slip that one in there. Oh, my yeah, God. They really uh, they really kind of because like when when he's writing with Superman, he writes in Superman's ear. But then and at first Wonder Woman's holding him in her hand, but then she has to fight. So she's like, all right, here you go. And they like very slowly pan down to her chest <laughs> She puts he's like hanging on to the like the the tip of like the eagle or whatever on her on her breastplate. And then it's just like they just stay there <laughs> for like an extra second or two. And you're like, all right, let's, you know, let's wrap is, it up. This is for children. Let's, let's, not... <laughs> let's keep it moving here. We get it. We get it. Somebody yes. here is living out a, a weird fantasy. Let's yes. move it along. Let's move it along here. Yeah, that was that was always even as a child, like watching that. I was like. This is un- I'm uncomfortable with this. <laughs> this is I, I mean, granted, I was 16 when I saw this, but still, I'm uncomfortable with this. Can we not hang around and, like Wonder Woman's? Well, I think even in more quote unquote adult material, that would be kind of frowned upon, at least nowadays. Where it's like, wow, it's very uh, male gazy, right? To to hang very on objective, that shot. Yeah. Some objectification going on for sure. So yeah, even even if if even if you remove the context of this being a cartoon for children, uh, <laughs> primarily, it's still a little like ah, we don't we don't need to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> figured figured we could shouldn't shouldn't ignore the elephant in the room. So it's fair. All right, let's move on to our next category, Liam, uh, which will be music for this week. Uh, I think you said was it Dynamic Music Partners who worked on this one. Uh, yes, uh, particularly Christopher Carter and Michael McQuistion are credited. Uh, I did not have a ton of music here. I think the music plays a important role in the background. Uh, there is one commercial break where it kind of stands out. I think that's initially when Adam gets inside the dark heart. Uh, the The music starts to swell towards a couple of the commercial breaks or the, the pre-cut commercial breaks. But uh, I did not have a ton of notes here for the music that and the, I, I, I guess the scene is Batman is plummeting towards the earth. Uh, the music uh, begins to swell as he's, he's sort of approaching the ground at a rapid state, as we mentioned. Uh, what about you? What did you have as far as musical notes are concerned? Well, yeah, I think it's interesting because we have, you know, several established leaguers and, in in you know, in addition to all of the, the new guys, the new guys and girls we see in action, there's plenty of established leaguers with their own theme. And we don't really hear the Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman or even uh, you know, Michael McQuistion's Green Lantern themes that he's brought back, uh, you know, dating back to the In Brightest Day episode of Superman. So, yeah, they, they don't really rely on that, on the, the sort of the known themes. It is mostly seems sort of original uh, sort of fast paced fight music. We get a little bit of electric. I didn't even really notice a ton of the electric guitar. It felt, it felt a little bit more like, uh, you know, uh, right again, re- regular, regular uh, justice league uh, music, where it's just a lot of uh, a little bit more strings, a little bit again, fast paced, nothing wrong with it, but didn't really stick out as like a, uh, a lot of moments. I thought, I thought the moment when, again, when Wonder Woman is kind of covered in the spiders and then bursts out of them and then flies uh, more directly towards the heart. And as you mentioned, the atom jumps out of her bosom and <laughs> uh, down into the dark heart. I thought the music kind of swelled there and, and then sort of, a, uh, and then, yeah, sort of as he's, as he's sort of working his way through uh, trying to figure out how to stop this thing. I thought they, again, added in some nice atmosphere, but uh, nothing, nothing really that really stuck out, stuck out for me. And uh, I ended up giving music a six out of 10. I gave it the exact same score, Liam, a six <laughs> out of 10, believe it or not. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I had I had kind of neglected to mention that Wonder Woman scene, actually, despite the initial uh, unpleasantness, uh, I, I think that Wonder Woman sequence is actually one of the m- most interesting, most impressive, because you really get to see her kind of be this badass 
uh, Amazonian warrior that battles her way through this line of of, of robots uh, to, to in order to get Adam to where he needs to go. So I, I really, really did like that sequence. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, other than other than that, there is a little bit of creepiness. I think at the beginning when you first when the the, the rock climbers are first introduced to the dark heart, there is some mm-hmm. some spooky atmospheric music that's played in the background. And uh, again, I think it's more in sound design. It's not music, but but uh, the the sound effect that they, they use when the atom uses his powers is very reminiscent of a you know something that you would have heard on the Super Friends or something like that. I appreciated that that sound effect that uh vi- sort of it's like a vibrating uh i don't know vibrating fan or something like that it's 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 very interesting so uh that's more in sound design less than music but yeah same same mm-hmm. thing for music N- nothing terribly st- that st- stood out i think that commercial break was the only time that i really noticed the electric guitar uh, ha- ha- come in heavier uh so yeah more more synth and those artificial strings this week than than uh, we're typically used to with with the Justice League Unlimited soundtrack. So, all right, Liam. Well, as we mentioned, we do have a large cast visually here, but uh, that doesn't always mean just because in Justice League Unlimited, we d- not a lot of characters spoke. So uh, we do have some notable p- people to speak about with our voice casting this week. So let's get into that and talk about uh, this week's voice stars. Absolutely. We have uh, just in minor roles, we have uh, Catherine Cavadini, who plays uh, Ray Palmer's uh, lab assistant, um, who I I only wanted to mention because she was uh, Blossom in the Powerpuff Girls. Oh, okay. Um, Another Cartoon Network staple. Absolutely. So I thought she was worth uh, shouting out there. And then uh, I guess we could save the the big guest stars for last, but our our main Justice Leaguers, as you mentioned, we don't have a lot. In fact, only the uh, four of the original seven uh, are are voiced in this episode, despite Green Lantern also appearing. We have George Newbern as Superman. We have Carl Lumbly as the Martian Manhunter. He, of course, uh, for most of this series, and actually it, it later on becomes a plot point, but uh, he doesn't he doesn't really ever leave the tower. So he's just kind of up there running point, and then he kind of disappears from the episode once the uh, the the cannon is fired. As it's established here, that 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 basically once that cannon is fired, the the watchtower has no power for an, for for an, an hour. So uh, other than so, we get a little bit of Carl Lumbly there. We have Kevin Conroy, of course, as Batman. Does a fun job. He has a little bit of levity to it, um, both in uh, initially when he drops the uh, the ice nuke on the <laughs> on the uh, on the Dark Heart's main ship, and talking about how he had to freeze the the Gotham River once upon a time, um, and then uh, later on, as as you mentioned, when he is uh, uh, describing to everyone that he he needs to be caught because he's falling very rapidly and cannot fly at all which i thought was a it's a, it's a very funny and, and memorable moment uh and just his completely deadpan deliver of it is delivery of it is it's one of those things that only only kevin conroy's batman can do and then uh we have uh susan eisenberg as wonder woman who does does a solid I said most of most of the leaguers here um there are it's mostly exposition moving and 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 sort of strategizing and hey you go here you know batman's sort of running point at one point and you know calling in air support from green lantern and supergirl and and things like that and wonder woman and superman and they're they're all talking to each other throughout the episode but it's it's not a big character moment episode for any of our our main leaguers there yeah it's not um we yeah, again we established this from the get-go that this was uh this was an adam centric movie or episode we'll talk about him i'm sure in just a second here but uh that's okay superman does get the the closing line there as the uh as the as the uh camera sort of pans out to the entirety of the league and uh, sort of has the exclamation point placed on the on the episode on the episode show him a weapon that destroyed its creators and every other thing it saw and he wants to play with it what's to stop history from repeating itself right here on earth we are 
But uh, yeah, not a lot is asked for him. Susan Eisenberg has a little bit to do, obviously, uh, in her dialogue. And but yeah, most of it is tends to be exposition and and certainly kind of filling in the gaps and trying to explain uh, what's going on for for the majority of our, our our typical heavy hitters. Yeah, absolutely. And that will bring us to our two big guest stars, this time in a minor role, though he does return several times throughout the rest of the series. We have J.K. Simmons, uh, J. Jonah Jameson himself, playing uh, General Wade Eiling. Um, Carousey, like I said, has uh, quite a bit more to do throughout the rest of the series. But cool to kind of just throw him in here. As a, again, he's not the main focus of the episode, but you, again, you see, I think, I think, kind of a great scene is that scene where where Martian Manhunter is describing. <laughs> the giant space laser to him. And he's just he's like, you what? <laughs> like, I think he's <laughs> his sort of exasperation at this. And then sort of the switch there where he then, you know, has to go, goes back into giving orders to try to evacuate the town and all that. I think he, I think he does a good job there. And obviously he's a, you know, a pros pro as an actor. So. Yeah, absolutely. He is, um, he is, he's very effective. Obviously we know him in, in very different roles and certainly uh, now is the voice of farmers insurance. Uh, we are farmers, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, we, he, he's an icon. His, his acting isn't over the top in this episode, which I'm sure there might've been a temptation to do. And certainly, um, you know, he plays that over the top charismatic role in the Spider-Man movies. So for him to kind of, he does kind of tone it down. And even as a, as a general in the army, you would think that he would have maybe a little bit more free range to kind of, t- you know, turn up the volume a little bit, so to speak, mm-hmm. but he plays it very understatedly for who you know, knowing who it is like he plays it understatedly and i think that actually pulls off a greater performance I, like you said his reaction when he finds out that the that the watchtower is a weapon uh his his sort of his sort of comeback to uh to superman and uh and the atom as as they're collecting the dark heart at the end also uh a little bit of witty dialogue there and 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 come back to them uh so we know that he actually of course is going to return and certainly in the cadmus arc and he has his own episode very interesting uh outcome to this character later on but uh yeah i think he does a really really strong job I don't suppose you need any help destroying that. Wouldn't want that technology falling into the wrong hands. We could learn a lot from it. It almost beat the Justice League, after all. Why would you need something to do that, General? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because it turns out the Justice League has had a secret space-based weapon of mass destruction all along. And we're going to be talking about that someday. Believe me. Ma'am. Agreed. And then, of course, the, uh, the man of the hour... That being, as we said, this is an Adam story, and uh, the voice of the Adam is the uh, returning John C. McGinley, who, of course, we've talked about a couple times, but uh, probably most famously uh, uh, from Office Space, as well as, of course, playing Dr. Cox on Scrubs for uh, nine, nine years, I believe that show ran, so... Yeah. Um, it's a very recognizable voice. And I think in the past I've mentioned that it was a little bit distracting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I've just gotten a little more, more used to it, or it's just because he had a little bit more to do this time. Uh, but I, I thought he did a, a, ver- a really good job and uh, you know, he's, he's kind of funny in moments. He's got some, some humor to him and he also is able to, uh, you know, provide sort of the gravity there at the end there when he's getting a little bit more desperate, when he tries to just break the machine and it doesn't work. And he has to kind of, th- again, think his way out of the problem. I, I th- There's a lot of exposition as he's kind of throwing out, okay, this is like a heart. I'm going to choke it and choke its artery and give it a heart attack. And that could come off very expositional and kind of robotic. But I think he does a good job of kind of spewing out a lot of uh, techno jargon. No, I I think he does a really great job. I think, yeah, I, I think he, we had mentioned it um, and maybe it may have bothered you a little bit more than it did me when we covered 
uh, the return, in, which you can hear in the archives at DCAUreview.com as we covered it in our Green Lantern month just a few months ago. But uh, yeah, I, I would say I would say this is certainly gave him the opportunity to flex that muscle a little bit. He's not as over the top as that performance of Dr. Cox or even his character in Office Space are. Uh, he's very much subdued. It's more of a laid back performance. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I think it. I think you're right. The dialogue maybe in, in some ways may have worked against him slightly because a lot of it was exposition. Uh, but I, I really appreciate his line at the end, talking to, to Superman about uh, the dangers of, of the government collecting this technology and why they would be dumb enough to do so. But uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I think it's a pretty strong performance uh, from him. Uh, the voice cast, uh, pretty decent. There wasn't a, I mean, there was a lot of exposition that was required. So maybe not the strongest of performances. There wasn't a whole ton of emotion that, that had to be shown either with, with the exception maybe at the end in that scene as he sort of hurriedly trying to figure out how to defeat this, this monster. Um, so not, not mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of range required for this episode, but I still think there, it was pretty, pretty strong all around so i ended up giving it a final score of seven out of ten what about you uh i went a little bit higher i went eight out of ten um i think mostly on the strength of uh mr mcginley's performance there i think he just does a good job um when he's when he's talking to batman uh, talking to batman and superman about this being sort of a, a a nightmare of of what everyone was always sort of concerned about when it comes to the field of nanotechnology and and uh and and some of that stuff i think he he really does a good job of mixing that in and at the same time like i said the humor moments when when batman and superman are talking and he's like hey it's getting sweaty in here and he's like kind of look trying to peer over superman's ear he's like is that batman <laughs> like just his delivery of that line was so funny where's the atom it's getting sweaty in here is that batman find wonder woman and get us down And uh, again, if you've if you've seen his work on Scrubs, uh, even though that show was a comedy, he's you know obviously was a, a very gifted uh, dramatic actor as well. And seeing him be able to do sort of the the big super heroic over the top stuff as well as sort of these smaller kind of funny quirky moments, I thought he he really pulled that off. And again, when he's talking to his assistant at uh, about how you know he's old and he gets tired he's i'm just gonna lay here for a minute i thought like he's so he's so funny in, in some of these scenes while still uh you know not feeling like he's taking away or, or not treating this the, the situation seriously when it's you know when it's go time yeah i, I agree with you I, I i don't disagree with you pretty pretty strong some some good funny moments all right liam well that will wrap us up uh and get us to our final scores for this week's episode um totaling everything i have here i end up with a final score of 24 out of 40 and i am a tick higher i ended up with a final score of 28 out of 40 uh-oh i don't know if that's disagreement alarm worthy but uh that, <laughs> four points is is it feels like uh 10 points a lot of times in our in our world here that's so. right yeah um, so with that said, Liam, uh, I guess it is time to discuss uh, rewatchability with this week's episode. Now, we have established that there are many threads that are established here, sort of some of them which have been continued, uh, the general distrust that the government seems to be building against the Justice League uh, due to prior events. That sort of thread is continued in here. But uh, we have some things that are seriously set up that come into play well into the next season, uh, well, the next half season, and then then later on down the line here. So where do you fall as far as rewatchability is concerned on this one? Obviously, neither of us gave it a huge score, um, you know, a, a little bit. I guess that would be a C, a C or, or, or so <laughs> uh, grade from, from me and maybe a C plus from you. So uh, neither of us really gave it a high grade, but where does this fall as far as rewatchability is concerned for you? I, yeah, I think you kind of have to watch it. Um, if you, especially if you're, if you're zeroing in on this Cadmus arc, because both the dark heart itself, what it can do, um, and of course the, the space laser, not to mention characters like general Island coming back. Like there's a lot here that even though it, in the moment, it doesn't feel that important. 
there's a lot of a lot of future episodes pulled directly from stuff that happened in this episode. Um, so I think it is I think it is a uh, an almost must watch if you're if you're trying to watch. Uh, like I said, especially if you're if you're trying to track kind of the entire Cadmus arc through JLU. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Even though I didn't give it a glowing review uh, for the final score, it is pivotal, integral to the to that story arc. It is fun. Like if you're just sitting back and you want to sit back and, and mm-hmm. watch an episode with your kids and not really think a whole lot. Uh, there's a lot of action that happens on the screen as we discussed. A lot of punching, a lot of explosions, a lot of a lot of robots being destroyed. So. Uh, it is a a visual smorgasbord in that area, so uh, I I agree that this is uh, and and as you said, just being integral to the to the rest of that Cadmus story arc, which obviously is the maybe best story arc uh, in in the history of the DCAU. Yeah, you're going to want to need this as an as an introduction to kind of understand some of that stuff later. Absolutely. All right, Liam. Well, that would begin to wrap us up. Thank you, everybody, for checking us out for this week. Don't forget, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We are on Anchor. We're pretty much anywhere that you can find a podcast. Uh, You might even be able to get it uh, with uh, two tin cans and a string. I'm not sure, but uh, (laughs) definitely check it out. If your podcast app allows you to leave us a rating, either five stars or a review, we would appreciate that greatly. That helps get the algorithm working, get people to listen to our program. If you want to support the podcast, you can check out our store. Go to DCAUReview.com. Click on the store tab at the top. Get yourself a shirt, a hat, a mug a sticker do something to support the podcast we would love that don't forget you can also uh, our podcast stream on youtube liam every single week we are part of the pod tower as we mentioned last week there has been a soft launch of that and a full launch coming soon mm-hmm. but uh, people can subscribe to that channel uh, if you are a youtube if you consume your your podcasts via youtube regularly you can do that and even if you don't go give that channel a subscribe uh, anyway because not only do you get great programs from us the dcau review but our friends over at Tim talk are also on that channel. So you'll be able to find their episodes as well as amazing content from the amazing DCAU content creators over at watchtower database. Uh, so uh, it's a fun place to get a lot of DCAU content uh, more maybe than you can handle, but uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely will leave you uh, smiling for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely uh, excited to uh, be a part of that. And uh of course, recently we we did our first episode of Discuss This League, which had a a certain Pod Tower theme to it, which was certainly not an accident. As we had a uh, Maddie from DCAU Watch from the uh, Watchtower database and uh, Chris from Tim Talk on with us. So if uh, for some reason you haven't checked that out yet, definitely uh, definitely give that a listen. And uh, yeah, wherever you uh, wherever you check us out, though, whether uh, audio, video, or otherwise. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, audio or video are kind of your only options. But uh, either way, we, we always uh, appreciate that. And as always, we want to hear feedback from you. Hit us up on our socials at DCAU Review on Twitter and Instagram. That's right. And uh, yeah, we haven't launched the uh, the meal service, the DCAU Review meal service yet. So you can't quite <laughs> taste it yet. But uh, we're working on it. Maybe 2022. We'll see. Uh, Liam, coming up, though, next week, we are staying right here with Justice League Unlimited, which means we will be covering another episode next week. Why don't you tell the good folks at home what episode that will be? That's right. And we are moving a little bit into the second season of Justice League Unlimited. Uh, Just barely. We're just kind of scratching the surface. Won't get too far in just yet. But... Next week, we are coming back with another Green Arrow focus episode, but this time he's not alone, as we also have our proper introductions to the Black Canary and Wildcat. In next week's episode, we will be reviewing called The Cat and the Canary. Go figure. And uh, it was pretty cool to hear Mr. Schreiner do our intro this week. Uh, yeah, how about that? The voice of the Green Arrow. Pretty pretty cool if I do say so, so myself. So be nice to have an episode focused on his green arrow next week but until then i'm cal and i'm liam we'll talk to you on the next episode of the dcau review bye bye